Welcome to Orkney Soundwaves, a sea of voices across time. Orkney Library and Archive is home to hundreds and hundreds of voices on reel-to-reel -reel tapes and cassettes. We wondered about the home these voices had had before they made it into the sound archive. And after a deep dive, we have emerged with this audio ballad called Home. The door is open, pull up a chair, settle in and eavesdrop on a host of island voices. Let's tune in. I was so different, you see, the thing is, I mean, you can't really compare it because, I mean, what didn't the any better? I mean, they never... I mean, I can remember the first radio we had, for instance. Now you imagine a, an upbringing without a radio, without TV, without electric light. And you think, what on earth did you do in the evenings? Um, and to be quite honest, I don't know what we did. They had long winter nights round the fire and they used to go after day set this cold evening and they'd visit one another and tuck their knitting with them and sit and yarn and that was all the enjoyment. Our home was always open. It's a very open door always. Well, could we go in and have a look at the house itself then? Yes, let's do that. Now, oh, we're in the front hallway. That's right. When my father dug up the flagstones to put down a wooden floor, he found some skeletons buried underneath. Some historian suggested that they might have been put there for protection. Other people have suggested that it was built on the site of a graveyard. It's just very cheerful. Anyway, he put them back and they're still there. So mind how you walk. So under our feet in this lovely oak floor, the, the body's buried then. That's right, skeletons. <laughs> Did that not worry you when you were small? No, not at all, not a bit. As we'd put them back, they never disturbed us and we never disturbed them. What was it like for a bairn on, on fair? Well, I think that they were more or less kind of like what it would be when we were young. When your mother was having the bairns, did she have the burns at home, or what happened? Everybody had them at home. There was always neighbours, I suppose, that was able to help. They were not trained, but there was one kind of wife at the cat, the, the howdy, if you've heard the name. They had an old howdy wife that was a kind of midwife. And they had a cradle, and then when they, they needed a pram, Later, that really was in my time, but I don't think before my time they had no pranks. Tied them in a barrel or something to keep them from safety. A stand. I had a, a square at the student and played and said, do and played anything that you put into them. But a pram was so much nicer then. My mother even had a pram. But I think before that, a wheelbarrow if you want. <laughs> I don't think they had anything. 
But I'll tell you the difference maybe was that they had a granny in, or maybe a granddad in the house. Because you see, the young ones were not moving away. And that was, I think, the bands that stayed home with their grandparents. Well, then there was the game, there was a game, baby, buddy, uh, baby, buddy. I think I heard a lot of doing, but my memory just not carry me away. What was that, though? Bobby had a baby, yo. His name was Bobby Bingo. B I N G O. His name was Bobby Bingo. That's what. Right, Angus. Right, okay. We're here on the landing, so. Yes. Heavens, that's astounding. Angus, it, I mean, I sort of visualise what a room might be like. You can follow it. I, there's houses and there's uh, trains and boats and planes, as the saying goes, uh, helicopters. Brian, there's there's so many different designs you have here on your own. You just, as you said before, you just make up some of your own head like. Yes, you can uh, really duplicate anything that goes on in life. The workings of hydraulics, uh, electrics. Basically anything. You can build engines and everything out of Lego. This must be approaching a Guinness Book of Records job here, the number of pieces that the, and the spread. The whole room is entirely jam-packed, you know. Is this one of the biggest collections going, like? The Lego people themselves are on to me, and they say it's the biggest collection, but I, really? I don't like being drawn into these things. No, there's a lot of things I haven't noticed right under my eyes here. There's a wee monorail, look at that there. So there is Angus in the wee station. Does that work as well, Brian? Aye, no problem, Kenny. I just uh, switch it on and unfortunately it doesn't cross the pentland far, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you still have to go. Yeah, it goes back and yeah. forth there, isn't it? Well, that's been a most interesting wee insight into that fascinating hobby of you. Thanks very much for taking us up to this very special room and showing us all around here. Cheers, no. Cheers, Brian. Yeah. What were their horses like? Well, the horses was usually what they call a butt bed in a closet. Again, that type of horse. Mm -hmm. There was no high horses in it. No upstairs. No, and no big horses on the island? No either. big horses. And uh, it was big flag roofs. Mm -hmm. And there was much a lass of wood things. That, and I expect that the rafters had been ships wet, just shipwreck wet. They got it out of the game ashore of shipwrecks, I think, I thought it. Anyway. The wood to build the houses was separate, a lot of You see that house, another break there. Well, they now run cement on the and they built that house one day. Hey, built the houses one day, job. What, what about windows? There seemed to be very few and very small windows in those days. Glass was expensive. Uh, you would probably have one or t two. Um, usual for a fisherman's cottage, for instance, there some small window towards the sea, it was so handy. You were doing things indoors uh, in those days that didn't require much light. You do things like making nets and what have you, telling stories in the winter. Mm -hmm. It would be the light of the fire, but of course, that wouldn't be much, and the cruisy lamp would be an alternative to candles. In the 19th century, certainly you'd have a, a roof light. That would be quite, quite normal, giving a, a, a little glimmer in the gloom. Remember the story about the... Uh, pane of glass from Napoleon's coach that was uh, brought to Orkney after Waterloo and uh, 
I went into a roof light in North Ronaldsea. I think later the person went to Canada, so it's, it's gone now. I know horses where the cattle and the people went in through the same door, and the cattle turned to right and the people turned to the left. You had never buy it that, that was joined so, on. Yeah, the stable was joined on to the world dwelling house. Mm-hmm. Then the, well, the horse made quite a noise in the room we slept in. Mm-hmm. So it was quite mm-hmm. a thick wall, but you would have the horse munch under neeps at night for the supper. A man that was in the firm of Kirbystown, and he was a desperately mean man. He had an old horse, and rather than spend the price of a cartridge to shoot it and then have to dig a hole to put it in, he just took this thing up to the craig and he blindfolded it and he just backed it over the craig. No, this Uncle Jim that I had, he worked a harvest at Kirbystown. And they were all sitting in the house at night, and there was a knock on the door, and he was sitting next to the door, so he just got to the lobby and opened the door. And uh, there was a man in Kirbystown that was about a local vet, and my uncle says, oh, he says, that's somebody at the door of a horse. He says, do you look at it? Again, kind of in the dark, you see, in the dark. And this man gave the door, and there was nobody there. Again. And my uncle, he just he swore that this was gospel truth. He said, I get the door, and he says, there are men standing with a horse. And they, they lock it next day for feet marks and things, but there was no horse. And there was, you can. So this was the, you can. It was this horse that was come back to the Kerbister at the back of the way the craig, but um, and as I say, it's just one of those things. And, uh, maybe he's not getting too much homebrew or something. Did you sleep in a box bed? A box bed. Box beds, box beds. There was a box bed in the kitchen. Some of them had three box beds. One was facing the kitchen, and there was one in the passage, and, and the other faced the main end. Well, there was my grandmother and grandfather and mother and father and my brother and first I mind. But in my grandmother's youth, it was her mother and father and four girls. And then when my grandmother and grandfather got married, they had nine of our family, seven survived, and they all lived in the house. We didn't have much room, and it was two or three in bed. <laughs> it was fine, man. Some lay at the head of the bed and some lay at the feet of the bed, for there wasn't a room for them all otherwise. They always had a shelf at the foot of the wooden bed at the keep clothes and stuff in. I used to sleep there once. <laughs> and I tumbled out and tumbled on the floor, and I... Maggie Mitchin. I mean, when we were small, we used to, in, used to be in the bedroom downstairs in the small closet. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some one sleeping up on the board at the foot of the bed. Ah, was it a box bed? Type? Box bed, yes. Uh, and a fit, the one, uh, yes. What did you call it? A fitboard. A fitboard was, I don't know what to call it, but mine was one of them sleeping up there. Was that inside the box bed? Uh, inside, inside. Like, like a big shelf. As for the bed, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye. Do you mind that? Yes, I mind that. How many bands would have been in the box bed then? The bed on the, on the box? They were bed in the box, and my father and mother and another one maybe. Ah. Would have been all.
but I mind the last war, it was very, very hectic. I forget how many troops was here, but it was busy, busy then. Where did all the troops stay? There was some of them billeted in private houses, and we just had that two-bedroom house out at Whale Park up in the bungalow, and you were, if you had a spare room, you were all, well, I think you were forced to tack in troops. And we had Elizabeth, a baby, and we had lunches nearly all the war time. We kept two at a time, sometimes one and whatnot. And when they, the, the siren gave the night, Elizabeth was just a baby then, and I used to grab Elizabeth and go in the bed and back. The down quilt and the pillows on top was on live bed. And Sandy and Twa Free was in the sitting room and the searchlight fall on the plane. The plane was that near the house that the searchlight came right in through the window. And the next I kent was this bullet ricocheting off the roof. Where did the bullets come? To the German plane that the searchlights was following. It was cosy houses, you can, they were quite yeah. warm, because they weren't very high. No. It was quite cosy in a winter night. Because mm. there was no electricity or no gas or anything. There was nothing but the fire. If you haven't been used to pits and open hearth fire, it takes a lot of management. I'm sure it does. Yes. It was something that you had to manage, and the others had tongs and the bellers to blow it up. And and the fire was glowing again. If they didn't do that, it went dull. But yeah. in the depths of winter, you see, there's a fire in each bedroom. Uh-huh. In the depths of winter, a warm clothes would be taken out of the fire and then feed the pits. We'd pits then built around it. And we just had a lovely fire to go to bed with. Uh-huh. And snowy, frosty nights, my mother would put fires in. But of course, that was obviously a lot of work, too. And then you would have had hot water bottles and things like Oh, that. yes, hot water bottles, just rubber ones. So we had stone pigs, too. And of course, the, the kitchen was just your sitting room as well, you see. You didn't yeah. have that extra room to heat up. Well, it was a quite good, substantial boat. There wasn't maybe just much luxuries, but there was plenty to eat. When you're packing the oatmeal, you didn't have bit too much in at the time. You could get your pair of clean socks on. Some people did it with their bare feet, but had to wash them before they get in it. Well, that was just an evening's job for somebody. That was the best way to pack it. Well, you had that for the winter time. You didn't need to go to the shop the whole time. That was your hot vinegs, your porridge, and the bear meal was the same. Usually went for the bear vinegar. That was just your main food. So was it your job to mark sewings and Sarah, or was it your mum that Oh, it was my mother did all that sort of things. Mm-hmm. Made the puddings and everything. I used to help her. When she had the henna, what they called a far, that was the... Inside of an animal, mm-hmm. for to make puddings and things. Mm-hmm. We were very lucky, for we had a water mill, a trough, a wooden trough of the wind. And so you, you sat on this trough and let clean the, the puddings. When Granny was making the puddings, I wouldn't leave them alone. 
I had to keep getting a hold of them and working with them too. <laughs> she gave me a bit and she says, well, just tack that and we'll play away with it. And my mother says, by the time she night came, it was as hard as a bit of wet. <laughs> well, she had a whole big peel of milk, warmed that up. I forget what she warmed it up on. Must have been something electric, I think. My, can I remember? I, a hundred and, well, I, I'll no say. I don't know, but uh, I've made cheese many of And then it was the rennet put in, a few drops of rennet put in and stirred carefully, and that had to set, set a little. I forget how long it takes to set, and it's a great big flub. So she took a knife and she cut it this way, inch part, right to the bottom, right over. Then she took it the other way. That was nice tubes. It was tubes to the bottom, so it was left like that. And you could see the whey coming out from among the cheese. It's just end on there. So then she took a saucer and she got to the middle of the thing and she cut it here, she cut there cut a little below the surface, cut it here and then she went a bit deeper. It's better to leave it a little again. Then she gets her hand in it and, and just carefully kind of crushes the long, the long things would come up like this. She would cut them with the thumb. And that was another process. And this was all to get the whey out of the... Whey out of the cheese. Yeah. My mother used to wash the flagstones with the whey and that made them dark. Uh, that made them bunny and blue. So that's out anyway. Miss F. Marion McNeil talks about her Orkney childhood. Oh, well, they meant a great deal to us. We used to go in and out among the cottages. We were always made welcome. There's so much hospitality. And we used to love the island fair, the bear bannocks and the, and the Orkney cheese. And I remember one little girl used to bring along a kind of oatmeal gingerbread, which she called Bruni. And I was so intrigued with this, I said to her one day, what's in it? I was about perhaps five or six at the time. So I collected my very first recipe. Oh, yes. And that was a genesis of the Scots kitchen, perhaps? It was. Well, in one delightful essay of yours I've read, you mentioned a lady called Beanie, who used to serve at the Mads. Have you any memories of her? Oh, indeed I have. We had a house full of visitors, and Beanie was about to churn in the kitchen when an old woman, a reputed witch, passed by, looked in through the window, and uh, the butter just didn't come that day. Beanie came through in a great state, and she said, you know, the butter's been bewitched. It won't come. The churn's been bewitched. And we laughed. And, however, next week she churned again, and the third week, and there wasn't a sign of butter. So Beanie went off to consult an old woman, who was what I consider a white witch, who, who knew all sorts of old lore. I wish I had known as much as I do now. I could have collected so much, I'm afraid it's gone forever. And uh, she came back in triumph. She'd got a counter charm. So the next churning day, we all went through and uh, we all collected around the churn. And Beanie began to churn. And in no time, the butter came thick and fast. 
And then she disclosed the secret. She'd been told to put a piece of silver in the turn. I see. These were terrible goings on at the manse. Did the minister know about that? <laughs> oh, I think my father was a little bit of a pagan beneath his Presbyterian veneer. <laughs> <laughs> he enjoyed it. <laughs> Do you know, I must have been quite an age before I ever saw a sausage. And it was at one of the Newlands that was go, staying on the island, going round with their packs, one of the tinklers, as we call them. And he couldn't get in anywhere, so eventually they gave him one of the outhouses here. And he came in with a pan of sausages for Mother to fry up for her. And you know, her eyes nearly popped out of her head. <laughs> She'd never seen them before. We'd never seen sausages. We never had stuff like that, you know, which is everything seemed to be home produced, which I think was very good for us. <laughs> In the old days, they were always had a pig. They always a pig. They were, couldn't do without a pig. We had a pig every year, too. And when you went to the party dinner, you'd cut off your slices or take it down and get it done and maybe... A, it depends on circumstances, but it was really good. And that pig, the one pig that you had, that lasted your whole year, really, did it? More or less. I uh, well, the meat, I suppose, every neighbour got a bit, you see, and then when the another neighbour had a pig done, they would come back with a piece of it, you were having a fresh piece nearly every month, you know. But of course it was all salted down, and then you had it cured. It was done at the houses, I can mind my feather curing them. They used to hang it up then, put a cloth over it and hang it up, you know, once they, well, they dripped it first and then when it sort of dry, it could hang up and it would dry up in the roof. Then this was turned so often and there was cinnamon put in it and cloves and all, and it just oh, it made it effort good. It, mm, it really was, and I mean, I can remember us coming home from the school and you would always know Mother was frying Megan, because we was this cinnamon and all, you just, oh, the smell was lovely. I know it is, I mean, there's no taste we bacon at all, no. Willie lived at Coppen, and once when I was home, I went up to Coppen, and Willie came out, and, my mercy boy, I'm glad to see thee. Come on in, come on in. Willie lived and, and had his bed and everything just in the one room. He said, go and sit by the fire and warm thyself. Willie had a great peat fire blazing on the hearth, lovely and warm, and I sat in his orkney chair, and there was an enormous mound of peat ash. And then the mound began to rise and fall, and up through the centre of the mound appeared the red back of a huge pig. Willie kept his pig in the room with him, and the pig liked to sleep in the peat ash. And as soon as he got out of the mound, he shook himself so as to get rid of the ash, and then he trotted through to the buyer to do his business, because Willie had him house-trained. He was perfectly clean. I wish I could have had a camera there. You should have seen Willie and me at the table and the pig also, sitting on his backside at the table, and we had our boiled eggs and bear bannock and butter, 
Well, he handed the pig handfuls of food, and the pig had his share of the tea also. Well, folk were not so house conscious in, they basically kept it clean, but they were not so into, you know, like keeping changing curtains and carpets and decorating them and, and things like that. It was very basic and elementary, you can, and they were not having their whole bane rooms like to match curtains and bedding and carpets and everything like that. They just had a quilt that they'd made up or a nice bit of material and a couple of old blankets, you can, and, and new blankets on the bed and, and plain white pillowcases and things like that, and, and curtains would just be some bony bit of stuff they liked. You came with no thought of interior decoration in their minds, and they didn't really spend a lot on their homes. They were clean and comfortable in most cases, but no thought of elegance or colour schemes or anything like that, really. They didn't really have the time to fiddle about with. <laughs> you can. They were too busy to go into the niceties of it. <laughs> some people wouldn't put out their old stoves or anything. Well, she moved in that way. She had improvements in the house. She was good. Of course, my father was keen on that, but uh, some older folks, they just wouldn't change. For the toilet, you went to the bayer. <laughs> no toilets, no. We just had a bath to wash it, or a tub maybe. Just depended who lucky you were. And all the blankets were washed this summer, and they were washed outside. Did you have to carry water for a while? Yes, we carried water for a while, quite a, quite a distance. Nearly been 300 yards, I think, anyway. See, we didn't want the wastewater then. No, we didn't want the wastewater. When you get to wash your hands, you just put a pity grain in a basin, and it wasn't poured away. You'd maybe wash your hands two or three times in it when it's done on a tap. That's another thing that's such a different no. The washing was all done, well, all done by hand and steeped and scrubbed and all done by hand, sun outside, no washer, no spin dryer. Then it is. This is one thing, if someone will say that, oh, the money's just no so easy meat. Well, it's, it's not true, it's just that everyone wants to have all those things right away. And the young family, you see, they want to have their, either their tumble dryers or their washers and this, everything, and have everything electric. But as I mean, we didn't have that. We never, we never thought about that. One of the two of the lasses that was here working, they clubbed together and they put him a, a radio and TV to me feather at uh, the house. And then it's just like every other thing, one one who skates it, another who skates it. <laughs> yeah. And I mind the first time she ever had the wireless. She spoke with this thing that spoke in the corner and she was listening one day and then it's something was announced and that surprised her and she says, what was that you said? <laughs> and it took them a while to understand that it was just a recording because they never heard of such a thing. Well, you see, we were unlucky. We were in a black hole down here. We didn't get electricity until 1963. And the first thing I had was an electric polisher. I'll tell you, this. my friends at that show, the age I was at, I would be having a record player or something. I says, not I, I'm having an electric polisher. And my mother says, well, I'm having an electric kettle. Because it saved her having, you know, or us having to steer up the fire and get the kettle boiling, you see, for breakfast. You could boil it up in the electric kettle. So that was our first two purchases. One in iron was the other thing we had. 
I, I can't, there was three things. It was the kettle and the polisher and the iron was the other thing because of course you must have a good fire on, you can. Yeah. It's awful in the summertime to have to get the rayburn lashed up and excited to heat up your iron, you see. Mm -hmm. So that was the three first things we had. So we get a power cut now, which is lost. Mm -hmm. And before that, I mean, you never think about it here, your lamp and everything, you'll go in a room, look for something and, oh, so get off and open light there. Again, it's just, you just take everything so for granted, no? What other things did you do in the evening then, before the TV and the radio? Well, we played the kids, and we had a melodeon. Before my mother died, she bought a melodeon for us. And we mostly could play the melodeon a little bit. And that was more or less, and we played the cards. And if you were old enough, you had to take the stocking knitting in your hands and that. You had to do something in your hands too. Aye. I mean, just thinking back, we did. I don't know what we did in the evenings, but I suppose our evenings were just as full as there, maybe fuller than there now, in fact. And I mean, who, who can you sort of categorise happiness? You, you really can't, because I mean, you didn't ken what it was like to live, like what we're living now. There was far more, there was far more socialising, definitely. And I mean, there was very, very few houses that you would get into that there weren't a fiddle hanging on the wall sort of thing. And if you want, somebody would play a tune, uh, you know, and music evenings and that. So, I mean, there was far, far more of that than what is now. But then again, it was, it was part of their socialising. And, and uh, you get to somebody's house and you take your, your accordion, your fiddle, and you all sort of ruin the net about a tune. And part of, that was just part of it. So we had a fair good time. When you look back on it, it was had seemed a fair good time. Mm -hmm. Thanks for calling by. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Orkney Soundwaves. And thank you to Orkney Library and Archive and BBC Radio Orkney and The Space. If you want more, visit our website for a list of contributors, a transcription, images and links to other Orkney audio productions at orkneysoundwaves.wordpress.com This episode is supported by The Space through Creative Scotland as part of the Creative Digital Initiative funded by the Scottish Government.